Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Dental Implant Podcast. Um, I would like to introduce you to uh, a, a very good friend of mine, actually, Dr. Usman, Usman Huck. And uh, Us, we've known each other for years, haven't we? And it's the more I yeah, get to know yeah. you, the more I'm convinced. We're <laughs> Some just say twins. too long, right? <laughs> it's like the same interest in everything, right? We, you know, we've got the same interest in like uh, uh, we interested films, uh, 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 hero comics, um, even mm. things like basketball. We, we share, a, have a shared interest. In. It's just like every time that we meet up and we start chatting, it's just like bloody hell. It's like mm. it's like speaking to myself. Really, <laughs> we get on really well. We get on really well. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's interesting as well because we started like basically started to yeah. accelerate the implant stuff like similar yeah. time as well and then went kind of slightly different pathways but I remember yeah. we were talking about it like mad like you know 2015 2016 and we're just like you know this is what we want to go into and then uh yeah just just really kind of pushed it from there so yeah it's literally just like it's like a mirror you know same glasses same exactly exactly oh fantastic so, for those of uh for those listening tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do so that they can like uh, understand how we're going to be able to help them today. Then we'll get into the nitty gritty topic of short implants because this is something we both do. This is something that we um, uh, we both have very strong ideas about, and we both want to impart knowledge. So tell everybody listening a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So basically, I'm uh, I, I'm uh, got a practice limited to implants only, and uh, and I visit multiple practices. Used to be. 16 odd practices that I was at. Uh, but now uh, I've got down to nine kind of core practices, um, pretty much all the way around the country. Um, some of these practices there are practices that I basically, you know, mentor other dentists there who are just trying to build up their themselves until they can kind of take over themselves and, you know, in their own surgeries. Um, and other ones there, um, they've already got implant surgeons and I'm just, I'm basically taking the advanced stuff now because that's all you end up getting referred, right? You don't get referred anything easy yeah. after, after a certain while. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of work all the way around the country. Um, and, you know uh mentoring there as well so um I, i've i'm same as you kind of you know that i've really this short short implants topic has been one of these things that i've been really interested in for for quite a while but yeah. um kind of like a lot of topics i find it um it's taught not particularly well and also at the same time there it seems to be the way that it's marketed whether it's from the the you know the, the implant manufacturers or whatever it seems to be marketed as kind of like a panacea of just solving like many many different problems um and you know that's why uh, you know i was kind of like have let's let's chat about kind of you know the benefits and pitfalls and all this kind of stuff of doing things like this you know what i mean yeah so um yeah i mean I agree with you. It's and uh, the problem is, is when you start doing these courses, right, or when you look into a certain material, they it's always marketed, it's always pushed as a panacea, and they and they get out of jail free card for like all of the problems that you're having. And my perception is that um, that's that's not true. There's no one particular technique that is uh, globally uh, accepted for absolutely everything. But what it is 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 it's another quiver in the boat. It's another uh, piece of the armamentarium, which if used correctly, and we will go into that in a bit of detail now, if used correctly, it, it can work very, very nicely indeed. Probably the best place to start with talking about short implants, um, more, more out of courtesy than anything, than anything else, because this is kind of like all where it started, is Bicon, right? Mm -hmm. It's... Um, Bicon was the uh, original short implant. Um, for those who don't know about Bicon, it is it's, it's actually a really really exceptional implant. It's it's not it's not screw retained. It has a deep steep locking internal taper, which is actually a true Morse taper. 
um, and it's a one and a half degree um, uh, internal uh, connection. What that means is once it, it's kind of like press fit, it's all like tapped together. Mm. And um, I've done some of them. They're actually very, very nice. Um, and when they work, because it all cold welds, uh, you don't get any like m- uh, micro leakage or anything along those mm-hmm. lines. If you ever had to dismantle anything, uh, you don't get that horrible stench. Uh, it doesn't come loose very often. Um, you know, I'm, you know, when people turn around and say they never have a problem with it, it's like, oh, come on, you always have problems. Yeah. I've seen, bi- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had to move bicons. I've seen bicons where where they where they've uh, lost bone. So again, it's it's not a panacea. But that mm. said, it, it it is a very very good implant. It's just just slightly different because of its restorative protocol as opposed to anything else. But that's kind of like yeah. where the short implant concepts came from, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, these implants were generally uh, fairly wide, um, really quite short, but the way the surface was textured, they had a massive, massive, massive surface area exactly. um, on a yeah. very short implant. And I think that's one of the things that we're probably um, uh, going to be discussing quite a bit here. So from my perspective, you know, Bicon was kind of like the originator and they've been around yeah. for such a time. They've got amazing data on them. You know, I've seen Bicons which have been in place like 20 years look pristine. Mm. They're fantastic. They're really, really good. Yeah. Really- and, and that's, I mean, the thing is for me, the, the journey started from Bicon there as well. Because initially when I was looking at placing implants there and, and doing an implant course, of, you know, around 2008, um, that was the first thing that I went to. I went down to Bicon in London, you know, to, to go on their, on their two day course. And then afterwards you're meant to go to South Africa to like, you know, do the, do the next parts of the course. Right. Um, and I was just like, mm, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought I'd basically go and look into going to look into other things, but my real short implant journey actually started off with BTI. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, uh, around, around 2010, 2011, I'm going to butcher the professor's name, unfortunately, but, uh, professor Eduardo Antioa, um, he came over and he was talking about short implants, um, with his BTI concept. Right. And, um, for, there were certain concepts that he was talking about specifically with the implant, like we touched on with the, with the surface area, with the, um, with the shape of the implants, things like that there as well. And hit the way that he described it was if dentists were in charge of making the Burj Al Arab, you know, the, the big skyscraper in, in Dubai, right. Then they would have had this skyscraper that was one kilometer tall and they'd put two kilometers of foundation down into the, into the bedrock. Right. And his thing was like, the way that obviously we we look at it is basically we're looking at crown to to root or crown to implant ratio and we've always been looking at right the implant needs to be much longer than than the crown that is over the top surface in order to take the occlusal load and i remember when i was initially being taught it was like 11 and a half minimum, like, you know, 13s, yeah. you should be putting in 15s to get your, to get your primary stability. Um, and when he was, when he was talking about it and he was showing the data about it, it was, it was making a lot of sense, right. From, from what he was saying. But the, the difference is, is that the, the one beauty of, of the, of the things like Bicon and BTI, as opposed to many other implants, which I, I may go into a little mini rant about there a bit later, but basically, as opposed to many of these other manufacturers, these things are purpose designed for yes. short implants, right? Yeah. So you have a lot of, you have a lot of situations there where you have many different implant companies who are making implants, but in effect, what they are is either miniature versions of their own implant using the same tooling or whatever, um, or, um, they're a slightly different concept there. Uh, I I've seen ones where basically it literally looks like the apex of the implant has just been chopped off. <laughs> it's like the apex is like in there and it's just like that. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like absolute nonsense design, uh, you know, for a short implant. But because of the fact that, you know, everybody's doing short implants there nowadays, every manufacturer has to have their version of a short implant, right? So this is one of the things there for me is like, um, I probably like you um, have many patients there who um, who say, you know what, I don't want extensive surgery. I don't want, you know, I don't want big grafting. I don't want this. I don't want that. Um, and in some of those cases, 
short implants may be an acceptable premise to kind of use, right? Um, the problem the problem that I have with a lot of these things is a lot of people just look at the height of the ridge and say, okay, I've only got this height or I've got this height above the nerve. Let's use a short implant, right? And yeah. that's kind of almost the wrong way to look at it, right? So when when I'm placing short implants there, you have to, like you said there before, have the surface area, right? So I'm looking at as a bare minimum, putting five mil wide implants in there, right? Because, you know, I've seen people put four by sevens and uh, we should have actually done a, before we started a definition of what a yeah. short implant is, right? Do you, do you want to do a definition of what a short implant is? You do uh, it because I hate it. <laughs> so, yeah, so definition, you know, definition of a short implant is, you know, below eight millimeters, basically, right? So, you know, we've, um, and that's interesting because nowadays there's a lot of implants that I put in the eight and a half and, you know, there, it's just kind of, to me, is that short to me, five mil is probably short now when I, you know, yeah. when I'm looking at these kind of things, but, but yeah, I'm looking as a bare minimum of, of having a five mil implant in there, a five mil wide implant. And the reason being is to get that um, bone to surface contact. And that's quite a difficult concept to teach, right? Um, you know, from your point of view, this is one thing that I learned from you um, that, you know, when you're looking at doing a full arch, and obviously you do full arch kind of all the time, you you would you would say like, look, um, you know, uh, when you're planning a case, you're wanting that because um, uh, you've got less implants in there. You basically got to have your AP spread, obviously, but you're also looking at the the most bone to implant contact, right? And that's why we're using 15 mil plus implants in order to engage as much bone as possible, right? And the problem with many implants there is that they they have a shortened concept but they don't maintain that um that considerable amount of bone to implant contact so with a five mil wide implant what are you looking at you're looking at an eight mil wide ridge to kind of put yeah. something in as a bare minimum right yeah. so you've got some some situations there where you've got um you know you might have a patient who's got say for example vertical uh, a vertical defect there and you've only got say seven mils to the to the uh, id nerve for example or let's make it easier let's say let's say 10 mils to the id nerve and you want to be super safe you want to be putting in say a seven mil implant right now the problem is if you don't have sufficient width to basically make sure that you've got sufficient bone to implant contact you are going to have to graft that anyway right and yeah. if you're doing an extensive um horizontal graft say you've got three four millimeters of bone width you're doing an extensive horizontal graft why are you not doing a vertical graft anyway even if you're grafting one or two millimeters there you're having to you know you're having to do a periosteal release you're having to do a lingual release in the you know in the posterior so at that point then the the, the concept of the short implant then becomes well you know it's not it's not advantageous in that in that kind of way the way the main way where short implants work is when you've got lots of width but yeah. not much height yes and also the and also the quality as well right you know um we, we know from placing implants that you don't want to have um huge amount of pressure on the cortical plate because you'll get resorption um you know of the plate there so we we try and place implants so it has a, a, a you know, good amount of, of torque and pressure on the on the trabecular bone, but a very small amount on the cortical plate. Now, if your bone is very cortical, then how are you going to put a short implant in there? You're going to get very little amount of of, uh, of trabecular compression, and is, yeah. if you produce a lot of cortical compression, you're uh, you're basically wasting your time. Your implant's going to fail there anyway. Yeah. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the designs? Because this is one of my kind of geeky favorite favorite topics right where um should, should we go into that there a bit yeah, yeah, kind of like the and so um I, I was gonna say something i just lost my track of thought there oh uh, so yeah what what we're actually talking about there is we're talking about appropriate use of short implants right and if the ridge isn't wide enough and you're trying to put in a short implant you might as well just put in a thumbtack because it's going to be just as good mm. You know, so is uh, these things they they really need to be um, they really need to be uh, planned and executed correctly. So I had a revision case the other day where um, a patient had um, all on four, just n not cleaning it, um, got a uh, 
polite ticking off from me, <laughs> came back for revision, and his lower left premolar and, 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 and incisor implant had failed on an all-on-four in the lower. And I ended up having to... I oh, I saw this case. So this is the one that you posted up, yeah? Yeah. So yeah. I literally pulled the, I pulled the bridge out. It came out. The multi-units came out with it on the other two implants. And I was like, oh, great. Let me put new multi-units on it. I went to put them on. And the, the multi-unit screwed fractured because these two implants oh, were loose. Okay. All the stress. So then I had to reverse those out. And then I, I could get the screw, screws out, put new multi-units on it. And then I had, uh, on the bottom left-hand side, I had nine millimeters to the um, uh, uh, I, uh, inferior alveolar nerve. And I put in an, an eight mil implant. Um, and I was like, I wish I had something to over this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this, okay, so we talked about cortical compression a few minutes ago, right? And this is something that you and I have talk, talked quite a lot about, and it's something that I've discussed. 50 newton centers, 50 newton centimeters on trabecular bone is very different to 50 newton centimeters on cortical bone. And it does not matter how soft the bone is, whatever diameter implant I put in, I will always open up the, the crestal cortical bone to the mm -hmm. same diameter neck of the implant as a minimum. Okay. Now let's go back to Bicon as an implant design. Okay. If you look at the Bicon design, um, the neck of it is actually tapered in. You are never going to mm -hmm. have uh, um, a, a, a compression when that implant goes in that is one of the reasons why you get this amazing bone around the neck you can bury it deep and the other thing as well is there's no screw it's just a big chunky um mm. uh, a post that that gets cold welded into place okay so there's a, there's a number of factors that we're talking about now and two of the factors are macro body design okay that's the width what the fins are like we were then talking about micro body design, which is the surface treatment and how to really get massive, massive surface area on these things. And then it's the quality of the connection as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is you really want a really good quality connection on these types of implants uh, in order to have uh, success with them. Now, I've seen some data whereby what happens is the narrower the platform of the implant, then the more stress goes around the bone, around the neck of the implant, and the more stress kind of like goes in through the prosthetic connection, et cetera, mm -hmm. okay? Now, what does that mean? That means that there's been a push a little bit recently where people are saying, oh, you just use narrow diameter implants everywhere, have mm -hmm. more bone and less titanium. Uh, there's also a study by Block et al. where, where they've shown that the more trabecular bone you have, uh, the, 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 the less success rate, uh, the, 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 the more failures you have in the medium to long term, which explains why we get so many uh, uh, failures in the posterior maxilla. So really, we want some trabecular bone, but, not, mm -hmm. but actually not a lot of it. So actually, we should be actually be using as wider implant as what we can without mm -hmm. compromising the buccal and lingual plates. So this goes back to what we were discussing is that when we're using short implants, we really need to be going as, as wide as possible with a really mm -hmm. good connection. And personally, I don't think I'd use anything less than, uh, less than six millimeters. If something was available, mm -hmm. was available about five or four millimeters, again, what the data uh, shows it is it's the first four slash five millimeters that takes the stress under load. Okay, so is for me, I don't I don't think implants are ever going to get to like two millimeters <laughs> in, in height. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that cutoff point is 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 probably six millimeters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also and also just the primary stability is just massively compromised. You know, the, the, the shorter the implant becomes. Um, and, and this is why Bicon's design is just so just so great. Uh, I mean, for me, there are there's like five five manufacturers or five real designs from those manufacturers that yeah. I would um, contemplate using for for short implants. And Go on, name them. That was obviously. I would say Bicon, but Bicon. I think you need. To, uh, I'm going to split it into ones that I think that um, somebody, a, a, an implant surgeon with with kind of general knowledge, you know, yeah. intermediate level could place. Um, and ones that you need real mentoring to kind of do, right? So yeah. um, I, I would look at Bicon and I would put that into the zone of, uh, I think you need to be mentored by somebody who really knows how to use Bicon if yeah. you're going to be placing that, right? The other four I would say um, is I'd be looking at Southern X-Hex, 
just mm-hmm. because of the fact that basically you're you're connect you're you've got machine neck you've got this kind of connection that is higher up there um you know you're you're not having to you're not having to to worry about the um the primary stability just because of the the shape of it so yeah. you know you've got sun XX, especially the max one it's kind of like shaped like a turnip or an onion right it's kind of more bulbous in the middle and then it tapers very slightly further down um and the the advantage of that is that your your main primary stability comes from the the body of the implant yeah. and it increases the surface area massively around there. It yeah. also has um, has much more of a kind of flatter apex of the implant there as well. So you're also increasing surface area contact in that zone there as well, yeah. apically. So Southern, Southern X-Hex, um, the, uh, also the, um, the, the new, the new Strauman, the, 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 with the very aggressive um, kind of uh, thread on it, and that's that's only because of the how aggressive the thread is, basically, yeah. because you know just of engaging engaging the bone. Uh, Megagen any ridge as well in that in that same category there as well. Yeah, uh, BTI uh, is the other one. So BTI specific implants that are made for the the you know for short implants they're just designed in a way that you know with the hydrophilic um you know uh, hydrophilic um uh kind of treatment over the surface yeah. there as well um they're they've got deep fins on them they have a very um small taper um on the on the surfaces of them there as well and the apical design is is really interesting because the apical design is shaped almost like an arrow underneath yeah. it so you've also got even more surface area that bone can basically grow into and integrate into that implant there. So you've maximized as much as possible the amount of, of bone that you're kind of placing. Um, and for me, you know, shall I say the ones to avoid now <laughs> as well? Uh, so you're going to be into trouble, but <laughs> allude to them. Yeah. yeah I, okay. So yeah, we don't, we don't want to be rude, but I, I, I would say, I would say in terms of in terms of short implants, and I'm not talking about the implant there overall, I would avoid any implant there that looks like a miniature version of yeah. of a big implant. Uh, for example, Biohorizons or Neodent, et cetera. Their their shorter implants are smaller versions of the big one. There's yeah. no change in the um in the design of it. And it and it's it always strikes me as a little bit odd because I kind of think like, you know, if if Nike went and and got their got their football boots and somebody said, Oh, you know what? Do you have you got any any basketball trainers? And they're like, Yeah, okay, here they are. And all they did was take the studs off the football boots and gave me <laughs> gave me gave me the shoe. You'd be like, What on earth is this? This is not, you know, this is not like fit for purpose. You need something specifically made kind of yeah. for that. And and that's the, all of those manufacturers there have made something specific for that specific purpose, right? I was I was just going to say is on reflection on what you were saying because I was noting this as, as you were actually saying it as well. They've all got certain design features to try and get as much primary stability and as much uh, as as much surface area onto them uh, as possible. Um, you know, I mean, I place. I, I play Southern Maxes. In fact, I've got one case next week mm. where the bone's so soft it might it might be Southern Maxes everywhere. But again, you know, you're talking about the BTI with like this 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 arrowhead, the the um, uh, the, the, the the Strauman um, uh, BLX, um, which is yeah BLX. Know, I, yeah, I've seen those. I've used those. They are hyper aggressive. Um, the, yeah. the Megagen is, I think, is actually very, very clever implant. So you've got a a certain core size, and you've got um, a, what's called a progressive progressive thread. So it enters in mm. one point, and it just you know, so you can significantly under prepare and still get a, a, a massive uh, torque on placement mm. from it. Um, so but yeah, my ca- my only caveat with the Megagen that. is that if I'm using them for short implants, there. I would be using um, the one with the bigger core. So I'd be using a four mil core um, yeah. and a um, and the four mil platform as opposed to the three and a half platform. Yeah. Um, because like you like you're saying, bone. If you're using mm-hmm. if, you, if you're using the Mega Gen with the really wide fins, it's almost impossible to use in dense bone. It's almost perfect mm-hmm. for like really soft bone, but it, it yeah. does struggle in dense bone. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's and that's where the advantage of things like the BTI come in because you know BTI is not so aggressive but it's just the 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 um the formation of its taper that basically you know it it matches directly with the drill that you're kind of yeah. placing in and and then you have this nice kind of torque pushing the implant in. 
Southern maxes are great because, you know, you've got this external head that is over the top that is allowing you to kind of talk it in and you can really check the exact talk that you're kind of placing it in, in with. So those are also fantastic implants. My other thing that I would say, uh, and and you may not like this, Pav, but basically if you're doing multiples, I would say um, to use a pilot guide because they you you're talking about parallelism of of implants when you're putting in short implants there if they're not parallel and you've got increased stresses on them because you may may have a not passive uh you know uh, prosthetic over the top surface um you're firstly you're you're making it way more difficult for your technician to create something there at the same time but also as well you know your all of your effects are going to be magnified right so yeah. you know you you're you're going to have increased likelihood of uh you know a, a screw fracture implant loosening um you know with with these with, with these shorter implants there you don't need to lose much bone before the implants had it you know yeah. and we can we can look at all of the ways to kind of retain a shorter implant they're increasing the surface area around it things like that but in essence if you start losing height you're in you're in trouble yeah. so you know right. um the the prosthetics need to be absolutely on point and i've started um in these short implants in the in the posterior actually using uh multi-units and jigs to make sure it's completely passive mm-hmm. uh when it's kind of you know um kind of sitting over the surface because i would i'd much rather have fit a bridge on there and the patient comes back and says oh my bridge is loose and i'm like right okay it's not passive let's the jig again let's remake this all this kind of stuff then have an implant coming out in a ridge that hardly has any bone on it and is now going to lose more bone because then you're in big trouble right um so that's engineering the weak point of the system that's exactly what i do as well you know if you make everything as strong as possible you still have a weak point you just don't know what what it is so when when we're doing this type of work it's really important to engineer the weak point to where it's where you can deal with it with with any complications quite easily at least that's a plan doesn't always work like that but that's a plan (laughs) yeah yeah i mean well that's the thing is like you know the issue that i have a lot of the time there is you know i get i get mentees quite often saying uh okay can we put in a six mil in here or can we put in a seven mil in here and it's like okay well this is an upper seven right and you know have you what's the occlusion like you know have you have you checked what the occlusion is like in here um you know have you um have you talked to the patient there about potentially doing a sinus lift in this zone or are you just deciding right i'm going to put a short implant in this zone because this is the only amount of bone that i've got um you know these kind of these kind of conversations need to be had there with patients and i and you know to to use short implants there they they are very very beneficial right but um you know and for me, I'm using them more and more. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you use, you're using them in the absolute correct situation. Yeah. And quite often, I see cases where you've got, you know, a four mil by seven or a four by six or whatever. And just thinking, this is this is not going to last oh, two right. minutes, right? You know, because it's you know on a on a on a big crown or whatever. And you're kind of thinking, right? Well, you know, if this if this stays in there ten years, I'll be very surprised. One of the other issues there as well when you're when you're doing short implants there is that um, one thing that people don't realize is what you're not correcting is you're not correcting your um, your position of your um, of your bone crest. Right. So you might get a situation where, for example, when when you're doing a full arch and you've got to do an alveoplasty, so everything's even. Right. So all the ridge is completely flat. And when your prosthesis goes on it, there's no pressure on the prosthesis. Um, You know, it looks even all the way across there. You compare that to when you say, for example, doing, say, short implants, lower left five, six, for example, right? And you've got a seven back there, where which is actually in the correct position, hasn't lost any bone. You've got a four, which has not lost any bone there either. You may now have a prosthesis, which is quite tall. You've got to think, is that cleansable? Is can the is the patient able to kind of clean around there? Um, what about the aesthetics? You know, is, if their smile goes back to the, you know, to the, to the, small line goes back to the fifth tooth are they going to like the look of this taller chunkier tooth in this zone you know is that going to be something that, that is going to be acceptable to them um and also sorry i was just going to say it's, it's not just that but when you've got teeth either side and you've got a, um, a big defect and you're putting in short implants it's the same as if you do a nerve lateralization taking an impression is a bloody nightmare 
because everything kind of like drops away. And then it's like, if you're taking an open tray impression, you, is you can't find the screw heads and everything's really deep down. Mm. So it, again, it's, it's, it's not just the correct implant design and uh, correct usage of the implant. It's the correct mm. implantation as well. Because otherwise it's, you know, you're going to solve one problem and, and, and introduce another. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> don't ask me how I know this, but actually trying to remove, to remove a crown uh, yeah. that is on a short implant there. Um, you may have sealed that off there with, you know, a silver plug or, a, or, you know, a, a PTFE tape or whatever. And when you've got a, a crown, which has a clinical height of, you know, 12, 13, 14 millimeters, um, and in the in say a lower seven, right? You're going to be there for a long time trying to find this tape and trying to remove it so you can access the screw hole. Um, I've had one case there where I had to do a revision on a patient who had a a, a short implant. Short implant was fine, but the crown had, had basically chipped porcelain off it, right? So, you know, the, it wasn't it wasn't really made properly. It's too, you know, the 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 metal work was too was too thick and the porcelain was too thin. But um, it took me about forty five minutes just to get into the screw hole, and then I had to use use um a a driver from a different manufacturer which was an extra long driver just to actually get past that clinical crown into the screw because it was just so deep down and you know wide enough so you can actually get it in it it was it was probably it was a horrible experience right and and it was made even worse by the fact i didn't put the implant in it's it's one of my mentees who had done it but but you know it's kind of uh you know when you're when you're looking at a situation like that you've also got to be thinking okay how is how am I going to resolve this there in the future? And this is why, um, you know, sometimes sometimes it's easier looking at, at placing multi units and, and things in there and kind of, you know, uh, bringing your platform. I started doing experimentation with you know um, hygienic pontics and things like that to try and you know make it easier for for patients to clean um, and you know putting in temporaries there that they can just easily just shove a tp brush in between and and things like that um but these are the kind of things you have to think about with short implants that you may not need to with a you know with a with an implant there is is at the correct level because in effect you're working from compromise um you know the the other kind of thing there is when you're actually doing the surgery there as well so there are multiple different ways to kind of do the surgery. And we obviously talked about, um, you know, making sure that there's zero pressure on, on the cortical plate. But, um, you know, the, the BTI theory is basically to do um, slow drilling, you know, yeah. so you're doing drilling at, at 100 RPM without any water. Yeah. Um, and if you try and do that in a, in a thick cortical plate, you, you're in big trouble straight away, right? Uh, yeah. You better have the, you know, the world's sharpest drill to basically basically go in there and do it. But the, the whole point in that is that, um, you know, if you're not working with a guide and, you, you know, you're working freehand and you're talking about, you know, small movements of your hand, maybe maybe side to side, which, which may have not made any difference there when you're putting in an 11 and a half or a 10 mil implant, you're putting in a seven mil and suddenly you've got no primary stability to the implant because, you know, you've moved a quarter of a millimeter in, in either direction when you're doing your preparation. Um, and these kind of things, there are, are real definite things to kind of think about. So the, the planning is also a lot more there as well. You know, um, whenever, um, whenever I plan these kind of things, and you should really do this generally with implants there anyway, but especially with short implants, I will diagnostic wax up. I will get a, a restorative guide made up so I know I'm exactly in the correct position that, that I want to be. Um, because the, I haven't had any of these fail yet. Right. And you know, there's always there's always a time where it's gonna happen. But it will eventually. But but the design um when these implants fail, you better hope that they fail with periimplantitis. Right. Because if they fail because you've got a fractured screw or you've got a fractured abutment that you can't get get out, um, you are in a world of pain trying to take that implant out because you they are designed to have huge fins on. Yeah. You know, integration into the implant, into the apex, 
into each fin. You know, you might have, for example, like the Southern Max, which is shaped like a turnip, you know, so it's, it's yeah. kind of more bulbous in the middle. So, you know, where are you going to tree find? You're going to tree find this, you know, this, uh, uh, this is going to be audio, right? So I don't know why I'm yeah. doing this gesture, but <laughs> basically like I, I'm just trying to show that if you've got your tree find, your tree finds going down parallel, it has to go on the widest part of the implant. Yeah. So, you know, you, you might have in a Southern Max that is six, six and a half mil wide, and you're going on the widest part of the implant and you've now created a hole that is six and a half mil wide from the top to the bottom to yeah. get this implant out, right? Maybe even bigger because you've also got the tree fine around it. And then what are you going to do in order to yeah. kind of restore the space? So, um, you know, those kind of factors you need to think Send of. it to Balaji. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balaji would, I'd say, sorry, you know, you got to reconstruct this ridge now uh, because this, you know, southern southern max that I put in, yeah, 10, 15 years ago or something like that. Yeah, hopefully, it'll, you know, you'll still be, you'll still be friends and things like that. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, I mean, talking of that, that that's one of the other things there as well is that quite often, you know, um, I have, um, I have plans sent there to me saying, you know, can you put in a you know short implant in here i'm thinking of putting in a say a seven mil for example in, yeah. in this zone and i'll look at it and i'll say well you've only got six mils width and it's like yeah we'll, we'll put in a four by seven or something it's like no it doesn't work like that you know yeah. you need to have minimum five yeah. five and a half mils in there so we're now going to need to horizontally graft this there anyway and if the reason why you know you've discussed there with the patient is that you want to have um a you know uh, a short implant there to avoid say grafting for example yeah well unfortunately that's not the case now because you're yeah, going to need exactly. to graft it anyway yeah. right um and you'll and you'll find you know you'll find there sometimes you're you're preparing these sites and you know um some of the fins will obviously protrude buckley because you know the ridge is not wide enough you you have to graft it yeah. um so when you're grafting to those kind of extents you know um why not look at placing a longer implant in that zone if you're going to have to you know if you're going to have to graft to that level there anyway um yeah. and you uh, you know it's i i i see fairly often i don't know how often you see it, i i see fairly often sites where i think okay i could use a a, a shorter or a short implant in here yeah. but it's not as um you know as everybody kind of says where it's like right okay short implants are the rage now you can you know let's go and work on it right you know you can there are not a huge amount of sites where you can look at and say right you know let's go and, let's go and put a shorter implant in this yeah. um the uh, the other the other kind of aspect of the of placing the shorter implant there for me is kind of always trying as much as possible there to place implants within natural bone right yeah. and you know trying to avoid as much as possible stuff basically right so you know um, sometimes that means long implants remind me i'll come back to this in a second yeah 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 and and positioning right obviously but yeah. you know when you're kind of looking at a situation like this you know say for example you're doing a sinus lift right and sinus lifts you know traditionally you're probably taught the same way um you know bios you know bios with collagen prf with bios mixed bios mineros whatever you know we know bios might not even turn over for you know 20 might odd not. years right <laughs> or may not turn over full stop right and then you're basically okay your implant might actually only be in four mils of actual bone yeah. right and the rest of it is just in stuff just random stuff in the you know in the you know osteoid or bone like material that yeah. is in you know that is that is in the sinus so at that point there are you actually placing uh you know a, a long implant all in bone and you know is it really advantageous to go and do go and do the sinus lift and things like that? I think uh, I think you need to you need to chat to Stavros and see what his what his views are about that. There, Stavros, basically, Stavros see what he's, his own though. He's another one. Is you know, <laughs> he's just like no bone? Let's grow it. You know, you you want three feet of bone? Fine, we'll grow three feet. <laughs> three feet, yeah. yeah. Well, that that's the thing. I mean, this is this is where the other kind of techniques come in. So you know, we've uh, we. we we've talked several times about treatment plans and stuff like that. Yeah. And you just say to me, you know, I'll be like, okay, let's, let's do this. And you'd be like, no, it was, 
let's get a pterygoid in here, right? Or you know, let's get let's let's engage the bone that's like back here, right? Yeah. You know, just like you know, next to next to the Greater Palatine, or further back even than that, or let's you know, let's go past, you know, um, like when you're raising flaps and you're raising them, you know, so far posteriorly just to see what your bone is like and your tissue is like and things like that. This is you know, this is the kind of different kind of ways that you have to be you know you have to be thinking about stuff there as well yeah. rather than always always thinking in one particular way right yeah so there's there's probably a few things that i'd add on to that as well um firstly is um and this is something that i've that i've alluded to plenty of times before you need to know your implant you need to know your connection yeah um for example the uh, the, the 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 southern um max it, it can come in it comes in all different connections i just typically use um external hex and uh external hex is not an unstable connection if you know how to use it properly uh, most people don't use it properly or they're looking at old data that's why they're running into problems but for example if you're using external hex and you go from a four millimeter diameter to five millimeter diameter, you reduce stress on the prosthetic screw by 300%. It's not a small amount with one millimeter difference in diameter. Okay. This is what I'm saying. You need to understand your connections. Okay. Is it, is it, is it a bicon type Morse tape, a, a true locking Morse taper? Is it um, uh, is it a, an ankyl an ankylos deep steep internal taper? You know, is it you need to know your connection so that you can understand how it's how you're actually going to execute the treatment, and you need to know when that connection's not suitable so you can use a connection that is okay. The other thing that I would say as well, and this goes back to um, uh, the precision of your osteotomy as well. What you generally tend to find is if you're using a slightly longer implant up to a certain point, um, if the implant deviates a little bit, doesn't really play that much of a difference. Okay. It's kind of like, okay, instead of being slap bang in the, uh, in the occlusal table of the tooth, it's kind of like slightly leaning towards a cusp because short implants are generally, well, obviously they're short, but they're a lot wider as well, is when you get that little bit of a deviation, it tends to kick a lot more. So a slight angulation deviation ends up being a really big difference. So when we're putting these implants in, you've got to make sure that they are going exactly as, as, as you actually plan them to do. Um, something that, that you're kind of like joking about a little bit before is I agree with you. You know, it's, um, you know, a lot of people, they should be doing this at least pilot guide and two millimeter twist. Um, we were joking about this because you know that I don't use guides for everything. In fact, I put up a, um, I put up a post not very long ago where I said, Oh, I'm trying out this new guided system. What do you think? And everybody's like, yeah, it's really good. And I was like, ah, it's freehand. I <laughs> 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 caught a lot of people out with that. Um, and the other thing that we mentioned a few minutes ago as well is there is something about engaging native bone. Yeah. So I had a young lady that I did treatment for um, about a year and a half, two years ago, upper centrals, um, completely shot. And it was one of those cases, just like, don't want to touch it with a 10-foot barge pole. She was 24, aesthetically demanding. Mm -hmm. And I understood why. She was, you know, she was young guy, high smile line, um, massive infections around, uh, around, uh, around the teeth. Uh, I did staged approach for her. She was so determined to get the best result possible. She didn't wear a denture at the front of her two, her two upper central wow. months. <laughs> I said to her, any pressure on it? I said, make sure you're not biting onto it. No, no pressure on it. And she mm -hmm. goes, it's easier if I just don't wear it. And I said, well, yeah, you definitely won't have pressure there. And she literally, cause she, cause her focus was, I want the best long-term result. Now, yeah, yeah. the protocols that I use, I managed to, I, I did manage to regenerate the site and not have any bone or soft tissue loss. And I could have quite easily put in eight millimeter implants, but that would have landed me slap bang in the middle of the regenerated tissue. I actually used, mm -hmm. I think it was either 18 or 20 millimeter implants. Wow. So I could engage the native bone yeah. apex, right? Yeah. And the same is the concept for when we're for when we're using zygomatics. Okay, like you said before, the bone that's regenerated when you do a sinus lift is not 
true 100% native bone, okay? It is some sort of bastardized osteoid type mineral thing. Does it work? Yeah, it can work. But there are also instances where actually anchoring into native bone is going to give you the longevity. So again, this is kind of like the, 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 whenever you're looking at a case, right, all of the, I know it flies through your mind, but we're analyzing these mm. all in one go. We're looking at it and going, okay, cleansability, restorability, connection type, body, body design. Am I going to have problems placing it? Am I going to have problems restoring it? Is there native bone that I can use? Should I be grafting? Mm. It all flies around your head at the same time. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the things like the, the way that I would describe the, the osteoid type material that is is in a sinus after after sinus lift unless you're doing you know which i've seen you know some people do there where they're where they're putting lifting the sinus and putting curry plate in there and stuff i mean this is on another level of, of kind of sinus lift but when you're doing stuff like that that's very different but when when i'm talking about lifting the sinus placing in biomaterial in there the way i would liken it is kind of like uh, when you place your implant in it's like cement around a fence post yeah. that cement is not glued to the you know to the to the soil it is just it's just there and it provides retention right it stops it from you know it stops it from coming out but at the same time it's not the same as having your own native bone it doesn't yeah. have the same the same turnover the same cells anything like that whatever you, you're not sponsored by a biomaterials company because <laughs> because because you know obviously like you know you're uh the the kind of the kind of material that is in there is is never really going to be going to be exactly the same and that's yeah. that's you know exactly what you're you're kind of saying this is why in certain situations i've seen people now doing this people who are who are you know more experienced than me and, and able to do to do surgeries that are kind of this way like you know doing trans sinus implants rather than putting in a short one you know doing a doing a you know a nasalis implant which then engages to to replace a, a five for example like you know just things like this where i would just look at and think right okay this is this is way beyond what i would do but the concept is beautiful because you're engaging two cortical plates to keep this implant in there right as opposed to right either a shorter implant there which stays in the bone that you kind of got uh you know if you're doing a sinus tap maybe you might have another one or two mil or a longer implant that is engaged in you know stuff basically yeah. um so engaging that engaging that natural bone is is a you know is is, is you know paramount yeah uh, but like you're saying the connection is is a major thing there as well and this is one of the things that you know uh, i i'm kind of i use multiple different implant systems right and you know um megagen probably won't like that because you know what <laughs> of their main guys well, but well, I'm, <laughs> yeah, and they're just fine well they know anyway right but basically like what what i look at is like okay what can what can work for each thing so going back to the sneaker analogy right i'm not i'm not going to use an ice skate to go you know to go and play football right you know i'm going to i'm going to use the specific thing that is correct for that specific application right yeah. and there are uh, not only that the thing that works works well in your hands there as well and and it reminds me of a conversation that i actually had at a Roberetti's course with one of the other guys there who'd started off with Megagen, right? And he goes, I'm really struggling with Megagen, man. I'm really struggling. He's like, I'm like, why? And he said, well, basically because, you know, I used to, uh, I used to play Strauman tissue levels like all the time in the posterior. And now I'm placing these Megagens and they just talk out, right? He goes, I'm just, I'm putting them in and there's two mils of implant just sitting above the, the cortical plate, right? And I had to explain to him that, look, you know, you, these implants are very aggressive and you have to make sure that, you know, you have removed enough cortical bone there in, you know, and use the cortical, some, some implants, you don't even have to use the cortical drills sometimes. Right. Yeah. But with, you know, especially with the, with non-tapered cylindricals, right. But yeah. with, with, with these kind of aggressive implants, you know, you have to go in, remove that cortical pressure that is inside and make sure your implant talks down basically. And, yeah. you know, um, you're, you know, I know, I know on your podcast and stuff, you talk a lot about muscle memory, right? Yeah. And that is, that's one thing. Like when you're talking these short implants in, once you've done a few of them, you can feel it. You can feel yeah. like, okay, this is talking correctly or 
this is not really locking into trabecular bone. It's kind of like talking in at the cortical plate yeah. and you can feel it. You can feel that squeaky it's, kind it's, of, you know, feel uh, when it's kind okay. of seating down. Yeah. And, and you, and you know it and you know, it's not quite right. And the, and the thing is, is that that's initially when I was taught to place implants, I was told like, right, you have to place 50 before you, you know, do an immediate or whatever, or you, you know, we want you to do this amount before you start doing implants in grafted bone and things like that. And it always struck me as a little bit of a, of a strange concept, but now I realize it's, it's all about muscle memory. So you actually know what it feels like to actually go into drill into grafted bone or or yeah. engage you know natural bone or engage the difference between a plate and um and you know uh, and trabecular bone and even with trabecular bone you have you have your own issues you know you go sometimes go into these mandibles and you know you think oh i've got not much cortical plate here and loads of trabecular bone it's just all fat you know yeah. it's, just, it's just very fatty bone with very little little retention um and yet you had to be you had to be careful with those kind of situations so um i mean for me short implants they work but like anything they have to work in the right applications um knowing knowing your connections with the right manufacturer for for the particular job there as well um and also the patient knowing the information there as well yeah. you know with the with the 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 benefits and the limitations there of the, of the treatment and this is nice because it ties back to what we started with right at the beginning is there's no one panacea for absolutely everything you know and um in fact in fact it's um when you were talking about you know fatty bone it's i had a little bit of flashback of a patient i had to treat and this was the worst it was the, well i was going to say it's the worst quality trabecular bone i've ever seen in my life she didn't have any tra trabecular bone so this was mm -hmm. upper, it was upper lower do a uh, uh, dual arch and literally raise the flap, did a little bit of alveoplasty, put the suction on, and she literally just had hollow cortical bone. That was it, mm -hmm. you know. And it was starting to 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 it it, it was bleeding internally, you know. But it, it's kind of like you know, you, once the suction was on it, all that yellow fatty bone went away. You looked in it, and it was just a crater. And a then hole. Every, yeah, everything, everything was just anchored by cortical fixation by cortical fixation. Um, and then I know there'll be a couple of people out there thinking, well, how is that even going to work? Cause what, okay, let me explain this really simply because, um, uh, so when you, when you traumatize bone, you, uh, by drilling it, you induce the healing cascade. Okay. So by going in and doing surgery, although it was hollow, we induced the healing cascade. Yeah. She had a couple of failures, but then when we went back, to do the revision surgery for her, she had trabecular bone, which was nice and bleeding. It was kind of like osteoid. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, she, and she's, she's stable now. So just because a patient's got one type of bone doesn't mean you can't manipulate it and change it because you can. It's just how you deal with it at the time, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the, that's the one thing that I would say is that this is why in, you know, with implants, just lifelong education, right? Yeah. Because, you know, one, one thing I would say to to anybody who's kind of listening to this is thinking about, okay, maybe I want to do short implants or, you know, this is not for me or, or whatever. Um, I would, I would say that um, people have this thing about, okay, I'm going to do an analogy now. People have this thing like about, about Michael Jackson, right? There's two schools of thought that was he actually a good dancer? Or was he not a good dancer, right? And basically, the people who say he wasn't a good dancer was that he only knew five moves, right? He knew five moves and he knew how to do them incredibly well. And he just, that was it. He just repeated those five moves again and again and again. And the people who, the people who thought is a great dancer was like, well, it's knowing those five moves to absolute perfection and stringing those five moves there together in different yeah. combinations for every situation yeah. is a thing that makes that made him special right so yeah. with with all of this kind of stuff there whether you whether you do pterygoids nasalis you know external hits internal hits whatever you you have to have the knowledge to know all of these things exist and what might be the best approach to kind of do there for your patient and be able to kind of think on your feet with things like that. Um, I quite often go into, go into surgeries there where, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring people and they'll be like, right, okay, we want to place um, a, uh, a three and a half, 10 here. And we want to place a, uh, a four and a half by eight and a half here. 
right? And you'll go in and, and there's two implants on the side. There's a three and a half, 11 and a half, and there's a four and a half, eight and a half, right? And it's like, okay, you you are 100% expected that you're going to be putting those two implants in, in this site. Yeah. Everything's going to go absolutely perfect. And you're going to, you know, your surgery is going to be, because at that point, you are zero room for error whatsoever, yeah. right? Zero room to kind of maneuver or anything like that. In that point, if you do it and you find that, you know, say half your implant is protruding, you know, from Buckley yeah. or whatever, you might as well just graft it, close up and go home, you know, yeah. because, you know, you've, your implant plan has gone, gone wrong to start yeah. off with. You know, you, if you're working without a guide, all that kind of stuff there and, you know, with, with short implants there, you really have to look at, okay, fine. Maybe I want to put a, a six mil tall or a seven mil tall implant in this zone, but what if I can't? right what if i can't do that what is what would i do if i can't put that in there can i put a wider one in to kind of um, make sure that i'm gauging enough bone you can't drill any deeper because you might be in the sinus you might be you know you might be in the nasal floor you might be in the um uh, you know in the id nerve um so you know you've got to got to be thinking about width rather than rather than height and what happens if you're doing your your uh, osteotomy and now you've suddenly got no primary stability you yeah. you've got to be kind of extremely careful with that yeah. i think i think the one thing i would um i would say kind of as as a final kind of thing is we don't really talk much about um where to use them right and yeah. i would say i know people who do bicons and i've seen them in ones twos threes I would never use a short implant in any of those zones ever, right? Uh, you know, and unless maybe it was part of a full arch, possibly I'd be thinking about it. Or if it was part of, say, an implant retained denture and I was looking at placing, you know, shorter implants in those zones, then possibly. But I would I would be looking at, you know, fours, fives, backs, and really, really five, fives back. Um, because you know you're you're looking at anything within the small line um you know you're gonna get compromised compromised aesthetics and you know uh is that something that the patient is is gonna want i mean you've probably seen them as well people put them in you know ones and twos and i've seen pictures of these clinical crowns that look huge but then the the gingival margin is correct but i i, I would never want to risk that you know yeah. it's kind of to me is uh is too much of a scary prospect to use yeah. i mean would do you think about using them in any other any other zone rather than uh it's again i i i find that the most times i use them are actually in 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 the first molar positions upper and lower um particularly in the upper when patients had a tooth taken out a little bit of while and there's been a little bit of a uh, um uh, drop in the sinus height and you're looking at it and going what's the point in doing an internal or lateral lift when you know the the ridge is really wide and you can get in a seven millimeter you know it's quite often i'll put in like a a, a max seven seven and you know i get that in at 80 newton centimeters it's that i have mm. no issues with it so it, it's 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 keeping it, it's understanding the implant body design the implant connection in order to deliver effective outcomes for patients whilst not over complicating treatment but sometimes the treatment just by the nature of what we do just ends up getting complicated you know i've had some patients um uh, who have come to me for full arch at evo and uh, particularly if it's a revision case and uh, you're looking at it and you can't you can't plan it's one of those where you go okay i've got several ideas where i might be able to get an implant in but already there's there's several implants in there they need to be removed first then we need to see what's left and figure it out as you're going along and it's kind of like after my mentoring with rudy that's kind of like when i started to realize that i'm starting to i'm starting to get proficient at it because it got to the point mm. where it's just like I have no plan going in because I can't plan going in other than having a little bit of an idea and we can still execute the treatment successfully. And when you can problem solve as you're doing surgery, that's when you know you're doing something right. That's when you you, you know you're, uh, you're, you're, you're on the right path, basically. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where the... Um where the idea of going head first into implant surgery comes from. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think I think you've you already did one about careers or something, didn't you? Like one yeah. of the early podcasts. Right. Which I, I would say people to to listen to, because um, 
with implants you can't you can't go in and be like you know um i'm just gonna dabble in it a little bit right you know you you have to there's a lot of stuff you gotta buy right you there's a lot of investment in time money equipment that you have to think about and this is where this kind of thing you can't problem solve if you only got two two implants to place in right you know you've got to have a whole load of implants in a stock to say you know um you know whatever i mean sometimes i might go in and i might have you know only one implant there but it's kind of like you know, I, I've kind of got to a stage there now where if I'm placing a single in between two teeth, I'm I, I'm 99% sure that I'm going to get the uh, you know get the get the osteotomy right and put it in the in the right position and stuff. Yeah. But when you've got like, you know, when you're doing multiples or when you're thinking, oh, this bone's a little bit iffy, or you know, if you're doing shorts, you need to have a range. And you know, yeah. this is where um, issues come in off um doing things doing things minimally because you're you're you know you're hampering yourself there kind of kind of straight away so um you know uh, the the problem is now is that you know when you talk about this and you say to people right okay you know if you want to place short implants there now it's like there's uh, you know implant manufacturers have short implant kits right yeah. um and it's, it's kind of like okay now i've got to invest in a in a short implant kit or you, like you know free of charge yeah 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 exactly exactly so yeah i mean uh, it's you know it's just it's one of those things there where it's like for me short implants is is part of my you know uh my armamentarium and i just kind of i like to use them for a lot of patients where i kind of find you know what there might not be enough bone here there might they might not want to have a graft but we got a, you know uh, a, a huge massive ridge width wise and you know we can go and we can go and do that yeah or minimal minimal kind of you know uh gbr um around an implant there but they've got to be used in the right way yeah that, and that, that's what it comes down to and that that's the essence of implantology in in every aspect right it's um you know pterygoids are got to be used properly uh zygomatics are got to be used properly nasalis are got to be used properly trans transnasal are got to be used properly every everything needs to be used appropriately and that's effectively what it what it comes down to uh i'm going to do a a shameless self plug now uh, <laughs> i've mentioned this on my previous podcast which has just gone up today um uh, uh but obviously this video is going to be uh, edited a little bit um i am doing a launch of my new online implant training program the academy of of implant excellence and i'm in i'm just putting all of my knowledge into it 100% i'm just trying to give all of my knowledge uh the launch offer uh please feel free to find me on instagram uh, uh either dental implant podcast dr pavkara or academy of implant excellence send me a message i'll send you over the details uh because it is um uh, i will be interviewing you before i even let you onto the course um to make sure that i think that you're going to put in the work and the effort and that your attitude's correct uh, for it and um the slots are about half gone and once they're gone is the price is going to go up because you know i'm i'm doing this to get the project off the ground uh but i know the quality of what i'm giving i've got a lot of guest uh, lecturers lined up for it as well as you've seen what i'm planning on giving in that in, in that yeah well. i mean this is the thing when you sent me it i was like okay mate i'm gonna have about two days to, it's gonna take me two days to read this information <laughs> but this is the thing uh, guys i mean there is there's a big void there for uh you know for uh, a comprehensive um kind of implant course which covers a lot of things and i could talk about its phases but i'm not going to bore you guys about it the the you know the fact that this is a selective course is incredible like you know there's um just basically knowing that you know people have the have the right attitude and the right approach to implants and learning and all that kind of stuff there and know that this is a process that is going to be ongoing for you know forever pretty much throughout your career um it's just a way you know it's just a great way of, of doing it and the fact that you know you have been on multiple different courses in you know different places been mentored by you know the greats pretty much right it's kind of just like you you know what works well in terms of teaching and you know and things like that and i, I you know i'm i'm 
I'm not blowing this trumpet because he's my friend, right? I mean, I, w- I would anyway because he's my friend. But at the same time, um, I have I've actually read the information that Paz sent because he sent me and said, you know, Uz, have a look at it. And I actually feel quite honoured that you know he would say, look, Uz, could you mind having a look through this and then reading it? So I read through it and I was like, yeah, this is pretty comprehensive, like literally covering everything that you know that that you would you would have to know to kind of start off on implants there as well and mentoring within it as well and proper mentoring not just like you know we'll do a few cases and then see you later yeah <laughs> you know thanks mate um so if anybody wanted to reach out to you or because um, you're based predominantly in the midlands aren't you if they had any cases for you to look at what's the best way for them to get in contact with you yeah yeah they can uh they can email me on dr usman at gmail.com which is d-r-u-z-m-a-n-h-a-q at gmail.com or they can go to my website which is implants by drusman.com there as well and uh, and go through there so yeah if you, if you wanted to even if you just want to just you know discuss some comic book stuff you can do that there as well yeah 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 that's what happens that's what happens that's yeah. my interview right i need to you know I interview for that, so it's because so. uh, we're actually scheduled to watch two films next week aren't we Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so it, um, exactly. Uh, so I, I, I'm I'm heading out to the uh, Southern Conference. I'm back on um, I'm back on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I am doing um, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm doing surgery. On Friday, I'm at another conference sedation update on Remy Mazalam in Central London. And then we're then we're heading out to see Black Adam, aren't we? Which uh, yes, yeah. Which we're not really secret going to cinema. See Black Adam is for the it's for the other guy, really. And, it's uh, for the other. It's for the other guy. Yeah, yeah. it's for the and other then, guy. But you know then, that's. Then on Saturday we're at Secret again. Cinema the day after. <laughs> so yeah, and both of these are CPD CPD events that Pav is going to do lectures on, on, on both of these right so yeah that's uh that's the thing man so yeah I, I mean it's been great talking to you like usual man, you, and, you. you know a lot of lot of insights and stuff there so yeah I mean if if anybody's got any kind of you know comments and stuff about it they can uh they can contact any of us and you know tell us your experiences with short implants and 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 what your maybe your kind of tips and tricks that that people might like to hear there as well yeah, we're always up for learning. And if you've had any problems with them, reach out. Because, you know, we, we we try to help as much as we can. You know, I mean, that was uh, Prof. Branemark's original philosophy, wasn't it? That, you know, in order to truly help um, patients in the next generation, you have to educate people properly and not, and not do it from a point of, well, you know, I'm just trying to get referrals because... To be honest, I don't need the referrals, man. I'm so busy at the moment. You know, yeah, <laughs> kind of similar, kind of similar. I'm, I'm teaching because it's <laughs> passion and because, you know, I, I like doing it. I enjoy doing it. I, I like seeing people progress. And, um, you know, but again, they have to have the right attitude for it. Otherwise, it's just it's just a waste of everybody's time. So that that's the reason why I'm doing it. But to uh, uh, so all those listening, to all you Titanium nerds, thank you very much. And uh, uh, great thanks to you as well. Um, I'll see you next week, mate. And uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have fun <laughs> at, the, at the cinema, I'm sure. <laughs> see you later, man. <laughs>